everything bows at his name sickness darkness chains break out the name of jesus everything bows at his name everything bows at his name sickness darkness chains break out the Everything bows at his name Everything bows
the big dogs this week once again to give us our announcement so turn your attention to the screen good morning we're so excited you came today are you brand new we're gonna give you some screen time right now text the word new to the number on the screen and someone will reach out to you also let us know you're here Open up the noise for Jack and fill out the collection card. Can you think of any tough questions to ask Pastor John? Text your questions to the number on your screen. Everybody needs friends. And small groups are the perfect place to find friends. Look out for small groups. Come into your town. I love Easter. Chocolate and Easter egg hunts are fun. Guess what? Jesus is risen. Come celebrate with us. Thank you for giving the noise watch. You can text GIVE to the number on the screen. Or used to drop boxes at the back of the auditorium. That's all we got. Thanks for coming today. Enjoy the rest of church. Thank you, John. Helping us with announcements during the month of February. And uh, happy last Sunday in February. It feels a little bit more like April. Like 63 degrees I heard out there. Um, so I hope you're enjoying that weather. It's great to see all of you this morning. And uh, hey, before I get going, just a couple things here. I want to start by just giving my brother, uh, Pastor Nathan, a shout out. Didn't he do just such a great job last week? So proud of him. I, I told Nathan after the service, and I, I meant this all in my heart, and he knows this, that I really felt like that was the best I've ever heard him preach. And I just, he just continues to get better every time, just continues to develop that preaching gift. And we are so blessed by his ministry here at Northwoods. And then last week I asked Nathan 
to just briefly mention an upcoming class that we're offering here at Northwoods called Understanding Israel. That class starts this Thursday. And as you know, as we watch and hear about what continues to unfold, you know, in Israel, Gaza, the West Bank, there are lots of questions that arise connected to, you know, Arab Jew relations, the Temple Mount, anti-Semitism, who the land belongs to. And uh, the problem is often the answers to those questions get buried and get clouded by politics, prejudice, personal opinions. And so our goal with this class is really just to help you understand Israel from a biblical perspective. So we're going to be offering a six-week course that starts this Thursday where you get to hear from our founding pastor and others as they lean into this topic of Israel. And so we actually uh, have had to move this class to a larger room to accommodate the amount of people that have signed up for that. So I want to let you know that class is still open and available. You can register for it. You can register to be in that class in person, or there's an online option as well. And so if that's something that interests you, um, you, can, you can find more information on that through our connection card on the app, and we would love to have you join us for that, uh, for that class. Now, today, we finish out the series we've been in titled, I Have Decided. And every week in this series, my goal has been to bring us to a decision point that I believe will lead each of us to the more that God has for us. And so the first week we talked about, I have decided to follow Jesus. And then we talked about deciding to grow spiritually. And then last week, Nathan talked about deciding to gather with others. And today I wanna close by, I've titled the message, I have decided to serve others. I've decided to serve others. Now, when I was in high school, this seems like a long time ago now for me, uh, not super long ago, but it's getting close to, almost close to 20 years now. When I was in high school, there was a movie that came out called You Got Served. Anybody ever seen that movie, You Got Served? <laughs> so it was a movie about street dance. They were like street dancing these battles where they would battle each other dancing. And I wasn't a, I'm not a big dancer. Like, you know, if I go to a wedding or something like this, my home base for me is just like this. I'm not, I'm not, I don't got any moves. It's just right here. I'm not going anywhere else. Uh, but from that movie, I, I don't know if it was started with that movie, but I remember when that movie came out, the word serve started getting used in a slang way. So you say like, if you served someone, you prove that you, know, they, that you were better than them or you, you beat them badly at something. Like in my youth ministry days, there used to be a kid in our student ministry who if he would score on me in basketball, he'd always turn around to me and say, you got served, you got served. Another example might be, we could say, you know, the Chicago Bears, every year they get served by, I'll just stop there. I, you know where I'm going, I won't even finish it. Um, but you get, that's the example we can talk about serving someone that way. But just so there's no confusion, we're talking about a very different kind of serving today. We're talking about biblical serving, serving others in a way that is meaningful and helpful to them. And so as we turn our attention to God's word, in the New Testament, there are actually four different kind of, there's several words that can be translated serve, but there are four different families of Greek verbs that can be translated uh, and related to serving others. And I'm gonna talk about one with you today, and it's the word diakoneo. In fact, I'm gonna have him put it on the screen. 
Diakoneo, the, the verb really means to focus on meeting the needs of others. So sometimes that verb is translated as serve in our English Bible. In other places, it's translated differently. So let me give you a few examples that will kind of shed light on, just help us understand more of what it means to diakoneo, to, to serve. So here's one, Matthew 27, 55. This is Jesus has been, he's on the cross, he's been crucified, and it says, many women were there watching from a distance. They had followed Jesus from Galilee to care. That's the verb diakoneo for his needs. So we could say to serve means to care for someone's needs. Let me give another example. Hebrews 6.10, God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you have shown him as you have helped, that's diakoneo, his people, and continue to help them. Same verb again. So we could talk about serving as caring for someone's needs, helping them. Here's one other example. This is in Matthew, and it says, he, talking about Jesus, touched her. This is Peter's mother-in-law. And the fever left her, and she got up and began to wait. That's diakoneo, meaning she began to serve in a way like, I'm going to uh, provide food and drink. And, you know, I've heard some people say before you know Peter, so this passage talks about Jesus healing Peter's mother-in-law. Some have said, why did Peter go on to deny Jesus three times later? And they look back at this and say, well, because Peter healed, because Jesus healed Peter's mother-in-law. <laughs> I love a good mother-in-law joke. Um, <laughs> but if I could give you a picture of diakoneo in action, it would really be kind of the biblical picture is that of a server. We could even talk about a server at a restaurant. So when you think about restaurants that are known for good service, it's because they have trained their servers to constantly be on the look for how they can care for and help their guests. So maybe they have five or six tables they're watching. If I see an empty cup, empty glass, let me grab that and I'll refill that for you. Someone drops their fork or the napkin, oh, let me get you a new one of those. Uh, the, the rolls, the, the basket of rolls runs empty, I'm gonna get you some new ones. I'll just tell you right now, there's a special place in heaven for servers who keep the bread and the rolls coming. Like that, I just... Whenever that happens, I'm like, I love you. Thank you so much. But that's the idea. It's great servers are not focused on themselves, but on what everybody in that room around them needs. They're a picture of what it means to diakoneo, to serve. It's I'm focused on meeting and caring for the needs of others around me. And this is what we are called to as followers of Christ. We're not just called to do this like one hour a week, we're, we're called to do this as a lifestyle, to be focused on caring for the needs of others. And you know what? I just found this cuts against the grain of our natural tendency because there is a gravitational pull in all of us towards selfishness. I mean, it's, it, every one of us was born with a natural bent towards selfishness. If you don't believe me, just go watch toddlers every once in a while. I have two of them. I have a three-year-old. I guess he'd be getting to the end of the toddler spectrum. I have a three-year-old and a one-year-old. Just go watch how they act with their stuff sometimes. Many times their attitude is best captured by a piece I came across called property law from a toddler's perspective. It goes like this. 
If I like it, it's mine. If I can take it away from you, it's mine. If I had it a while ago, it's mine. If I say it's mine, it's mine. If I saw it first, it's mine. If you're having fun with it, it's definitely mine. (laughs) If you lay it down, it's mine. If it's broken, it's yours. (laughs) Right, this is the attitude. We've seen this, we're all born with it, and often it can stick with us through life. But the Lord teaches us to put away selfishness and take up servanthood. This is the example that Jesus left us, and this is what he calls us to as his followers. And we see this throughout the Bible, but one place in particular that I wanna focus on this morning is found in 1 Peter 4. So if you have your Bible, you can turn there. It's near the very back of your Bible. And as always, I'll have the verses on the screen. So 1 Peter chapter 4, Peter wrote this to disciples of Jesus who had been scattered in many different directions because of persecution, different places. So he writes to them, and in 1 Peter 4.10, it says this. He says, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to, and there's that verb, to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Now, there's a few questions here that this, this passage, just kind of at a high level, answers. Here's, here's one question that it answers. Who is called to serve? If they'll bring that back up on the screen again real quick. Let's look at the verse again. Who's called to serve? It says each of you. Each of you. It doesn't say some of you. It's not only the elders, the pastors, church staff members, or the super saints who are called to serve. It's each of you. Every single one of us that follows Jesus Christ is gifted by God and called to serve. So who's called to serve? Each of us. Another question, who are we called to serve? Look what it says, each of you should use whatever gifts you have received to serve who? Others. Others. We're not to be self-serving. We are to be others-oriented. God has placed within each of us gifts that he calls us to use in service of others. And while we are called to serve believers and non-believers alike, the context of this passage is talking about serving others in the body of Christ. It's talking about each of you. He's talking to followers of Christ. And so there's a sense in which he's saying, hey, in the body of Christ, when you gather together as the church, you are to be serving others in the body of Christ. You're to use your gifts to serve others, to build up others, to encourage others, to instruct others, to pray for others, to console others. Each of us is called to serve others. So who's called to serve? Each of us. Who are we called to serve? Others. And then here's another question. This is gonna take up the bulk of our time here. This is what I'm gonna focus on. How are we called to serve? So we've talked about who's called to serve, who are we called to serve. Now we're gonna talk about how are we called to serve others. And this is really the idea that with what attitude are we called to serve? And so I wanna give you four answers to that question that comes straight out of this passage in 1 Peter. And so here is answer number one. How are we called to serve? Prayerfully. Prayerfully. 
And so what I want to do now is we're going to back up and we're going to start at 1 Peter 4, 7. How are we called to serve? Prayerfully. I want to show you this. We'll start at 1 Peter 4, 7 and we'll work our way uh, back to where we were, okay? So Peter says, the end of all things is near. We can stop right there. So he's saying, listen, Jesus is coming again. One day he is going to return and his return is nearer today than it was yesterday. And because of this, it should challenge us, should motivate us to act. Now, if you've ever watched a race or a track meet, let me ask you a question. Do runners normally slow down when they see the finish line come into, come into view? Do they say, oh, there's the finish line. I'm just gonna slow down now and just kind of mosey on up there. Or do they dig in and say, I'm gonna, get, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna push it to the end? We all know that they dig in. And so in the same way, just like a finish line challenges a runner into action, so knowing that Christ is coming again, that the end is drawing near, should lead us as followers of Christ to action. So Peter goes on and he says, therefore, meaning because of, because of the fact that Jesus is returning again, be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray. So he's saying because Jesus is returning again, keep your head. Don't start acting irrationally. Don't, 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 let, don't get out of balance. Don't start setting dates as to when Jesus can return. Don't go build your underground shelter and stockpile guns and ammo and canned goods and just disengage from the world. Keep your head. Be aware of what the scripture teaches about the return of Christ, but keep your head wide so that you can pray. And the idea is to keep a clear head so that you can serve God and others by praying effectively and appropriately. You know, one of the questions that I've started asking in my quiet time with the Lord is simply this, Lord, how can I serve you today? Lord, how can I serve you today? Now, there's sometimes we're out of my Bible reading, there might be an answer that it's just like, oh, this is what the Lord's highlighting for me today, this is how I'm gonna serve you today. But there have been times when I have asked that question and I found that it's as if the Lord brings people to my mind. And what's, what's funny is at first, I wanted to dismiss it as it was like, this is a distraction. So there'd be times when the Lord would bring one of you that I had a conversation with on Sunday to my mind and I'd say, what is so-and-so doing to my mind right now? I'm trying to pray. I gotta focus, get out of my mind. I'm trying to hear from the Lord right now. And I one day came to the realization that you know what? Maybe the Lord is bringing people to my mind right now, not as a distraction, but maybe they're in my mind right now because the Lord is saying, you want to know how you can serve me right now? Is you can pray for this person. What a novel idea that we can serve the Lord by praying for other people. You know, we often think that to serve someone, we have to physically do something for them mow their lawn, shovel their driveway, hold a door, watch their kids. And listen, that, that's, that's certainly serving as, as part of it. But let's not forget that maybe the most important thing we can do for others is to lift them up in prayer before the Lord. And here's a really easy way to do this. Yes, you can have a list of people, I'm gonna pray for these people at a designated time, that's one way. But what if you just said, you know what, the next time someone pops into my head, I'm just gonna stop what I'm doing and I'm just gonna pray for them. Lord, I pray you would bless 
this person today. I pray you'd give them strength to get through their day. Would you touch them today, Lord? What if we just, the next time someone, the Lord brings someone to our mind, instead of dismissing it, say, you know what? Maybe this, this person is coming to mind because the Lord wants me to pray for them. You know, better yet, I've been challenged by an author who shared that when someone comes to his mind that he knows, he will often pray for them, but he will record his prayer in a voice memo and text it to this person so they can physically hear him praying for them and be encouraged by it. Oh, that's a great idea. So how do we serve others? Well, the, the first answer that Peter gives is, is to do it prayerfully. Okay, here's the second answer. Lovingly. So prayerfully, lovingly. Peter goes on to say, above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. So he reminds us of the priority. He says, above all, love each other deeply. And so I think we could say that serving others is to be done in an attitude of love. Now, during the fast this year, one of the things that stood out to me in my Bible reading was how much love the New Testament writers had for the people they were writing. Have you ever noticed this? For example, the Apostle Paul would write things like, I have you in my heart. I thank God every time I think of you. I long to see you so I may be filled with joy. I constantly remember you in my prayers. I mean, you, you read through, you just find that the people who were writing these letters had a deep love for others in their heart. And I'll tell you, it, it was convicting to me because there can be times when, I, when, I, when I'll probably more likely say, I, I have you constantly in my prayers. I say like, uh, sometimes I have you in my prayers. And you know, I thank God that there's times I don't have to see you. You know, things like that. But this has been one of my prayers. Lord, help me to grow in my love for people. Like, I, I don't want to just be known as someone who loves preaching. I want to be known as someone who loves people. And I think that should be for all of us. We want to know, be known as people who love others deeply. And you know, often when we talk about being more loving, I've noticed that we tend to talk about it, and I can do this sometimes, in ways that, uh, we talk about it in, in a way that like, I'm gonna produce more love for others in my own strength. We say, I was like, well, I just, I just gotta be more loving. I gotta work on that. I just gotta love more. And, and that's good, I get the sentiment behind that. But let's remember that godly love is not something we just produce on our own. Love is a spiritual fruit. Fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience. Very first one, love. It's something the Lord produces in us as we yield, surrender, and lean into Him. I was thinking of this passage this morning in Ephesians 3.17. The Apostle Paul prayed this. I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's people, the Lord's holy people, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure 
of all the fullness of God. No, a couple Sundays ago, just two Sundays ago, I shared an analogy using an apple tree. And Paul here uses the analogy of almost a tree. See, when an, when an apple tree or any type of fruit tree is rooted and its roots go down, well, then it can draw the necessary nutrients and fruit will just happen. And so here Paul says that like a tree, that when we are rooted and established in love, meaning God's love for us, as our roots go deep, we will be filled to the, uh, the measure of the fullness of God, which certainly includes the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. And so two weeks ago, we said part of the way we grow roots is through spiritual disciplines, prayer, Bible reading, worship, uh, simplicity, giving. We could talk about many different disciplines, but the point is, again, we don't do those things to check a box. We do those things because they are positioning us to receive what's needed from God. And when that happens, when we're in a position and our roots grow down deep in his love for us, as we're leaning into relationship with him, well, fruit will just begin to happen in our lives. The fruit will come and the love will come. And so as we serve each other, we're to do it in love. But look what it says. Again, it says that if we do this in the spirit and love, that love will cover over a multitude of sins. And this means that we'll be more apt to overlook small things that might annoy us, offend us, and we're gonna be more ready to forgive others when they hurt us. So how do we serve? We serve prayerfully, we serve lovingly, but then look, Peter goes on again, and he says in 1 Peter 4, 9, offer a hospitality to one another without grumbling. So I think we could say answer number three is we are to serve hospitably. We're to serve hospitably. You know, in, in Bible times, hospitality was really connected to opening your home and providing meals to others. For example, look at how this exact verse, the same verse looking at, reads in the New Living Translation. It says, cheerfully share your home with those who need a meal or a place to stay. So hospitality is how you care for guests, invite them into your home. But sometimes the thing about hospitality is just about inviting people in your home, and, and that is true. But at a high level, hospitality is really about discovering what someone needs and then seeking to meet it in a unique and meaningful way. So if someone needs a meal and a place to stay, yes, open your home. If someone is, say if someone is here at church and they're about to go out to their car and it's, it's just downpouring and they have nothing to shield them from the rain, well, in my opinion, hospitality at that moment would say, would be recognizing they need an umbrella and I'm gonna help them out. See, it's, hospitality is really about recognizing what someone needs and then seeking to fulfill it. And can I just tell you, you know, when we talk about hospitality, it's about you know, how, we, the, how, how we welcome and entertain people in our homes, guests. And I want to just give you permission. I know you, you probably know this, but I want to tell you again. If you call Northwoods home, this church is as much your home as it is mine. And so you have permission. If you see someone in here who is a guest, if you see someone who looks like they're lost, doesn't know where they're going, 
you don't have to say, well, um, I, you know, one of the staff members or one of the volunteers will get it. You can just say, you know what? No, I'm going to go help that person because this is my home too, and I serve hospitably. You see someone sitting by themselves, looks like they're new. Don't wait for someone else. Just say, you know what? Can I sit with you? You want to come sit with me? Just be hospitable. That's part of serving others. This is your home as much as it is mine. You know, I, two years ago, I think I've, I, I cannot remember if I've shared this story. So if I have, you're just going to have to get over it, okay? But two years ago, after my dad's last service as senior pastor, my wife and I, with our three kids at the time, we have four now, we flew down to Florida because that week was spring break. And so our returning flight was scheduled to come back on the, the, next Saturday, the coming Saturday night. And I started getting really worried that if, if we somehow miss that flight or that flight gets canceled, I can't even drive back to church in time. And I don't want to be the guy who my very first Sunday as senior pastor just isn't there. So that just can't happen. So I started getting little, I was like, we, we, we cannot stay till Saturday. So I went on and I had to book a flight that was on Friday instead of Saturday. And so I booked a flight. I had to come, come back to an airport that I didn't go out of. We flew out of Peoria. But this time I had to fly into St. Louis. This was the only flight I could get. It was on a Friday afternoon. And uh, it wasn't the main St. Louis airport. It was the small Mid-America airport in Muscoota, Illinois. I'd never even heard of the town. But because of having to rearrange the flight, we flew back into an airport that we didn't fly out of. So I didn't have a car to get home. So I've always prided myself as a guy who can just figure things out. I tell my wife, I'm just going to figure this out, all right? And she's like, well, I'd really appreciate it if you'd like plan ahead and get us a car. I'm like, no, no, no. I'm going to figure it out when we get there. Don't worry about it. I got it. I'm the figure it out guy. And so <laughs> we fly back on Friday. I show up, go over to the rental. They had just had one rental car counter, and they say, no, we have zero rental cars here. In fact, it's like 2 o'clock in the afternoon. This is the last flight we have coming in today. It's like, so you have no rental cars. I'm like, okay, Michaela, I'm a figure-it-out guy. I'm going to figure this out. So I go over. I'm like, let me just hang on. Let me pull open the Uber app on my phone. I'll get us, I'll get us a ride. We'll, we'll get a car. I sit with my Uber app on my phone for like 15 minutes, and there are nobody doing Uber and nothing out in Muscoota, Illinois. Nothing. And so I'm, there's no, no Uber. There's no rental car. And my wife's like, yeah, you're the figure it out guy, huh? And uh, at that time, one of, the, one of the, the rental car guy comes over to me and says, hey, sir, I, I've noticed you don't have a ride. I have a 15-passenger van that I have to take back in to downtown St. Louis. I have to return this van. And I noticed you guys don't have a ride. And I was going to say, hey, if you want to ride with me, I can take you into St. Louis. And I'm sure you can find a rental car or get an Uber there. And I look over at my wife and said, hey, I just figured it out. I always do. <laughs> but can I just tell you, that rental car employee made my day, and I have not forgotten. And what did he do? He recognized a need. He didn't have to do anything about it, but he recognized there was a need, and he said, you know what? I'm going to be part of helping that person meet the need they have. That's hospitality. He recognized the need found a way to meet it, and it meant the world to me. Now, again, in our day, we think of hospitality as relating to certain industry, food and beverage industry, travel, lodging. 
But all of us as Christ followers are called to serve others hospitably. And what did it say? It said serve others in hospitality without grumbling. This tells us that when we serve others, there'll be times where it will start to wear on us. Part of it, that's normal. But nevertheless, we're called, we're called to serve hospitably with a smile on our faces and joy in our hearts. We get to do this. Not I have to do this, we get to do this. So how are we called to serve? Prayerfully, lovingly, hospitably, and here's answer number four, faithfully. Faithfully. Now this brings us back to where we were in, at the very beginning with 1 Peter 4.10. It says, each of you should use whatever gift you've received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do it as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and power forever and ever. Amen. So he says, you should serve others faithfully. Can I ask you again, what's our word for the year? Come on, say it again, faithful. Faithful, it's our word for the year, faithful. Part of being faithful is exercising, putting to use the gifts that God has placed in us. We don't just let the gifts sit on the shelf. We are people who are faithful with everything God has entrusted to us. Our resources, our time, our gifts, we are faithful to put them to use. And when we are faithful day in and day out, when we keep at it, the Lord will use our faithfulness to make an impact. You know, sometimes when we talk about just serving others day in and day out, you might think, no, you know, just what I'm doing, little thing here and there, it, it, I don't even know if it's making that big of an impact, but I'll just tell you, when you are faithful to serve others day in and day out, it will lead to a large impact, whether you know it or not. You know, it's been reminding me this week of one of the most memorable moments in baseball history. On September 6, 1995, at Camden Yards in Baltimore, the Baltimore Orioles faced off against what was then the California Angels. I think they're the Anaheim Angels today. But if you just look at the box score of that game, you would think not a whole lot happened. The Orioles won 4-2. to two. Pretty normal game. But what made that game so remarkable was that Cal Ripken Jr. played his 2,131st straight game breaking what was thought to be an unbreakable record. And the celebration happened after the fifth inning because that's when baseball games become official. Like if it gets rained out in the sixth inning, well, game's official because it's been five innings. And so I, re I recently went back and watched a rerun of this moment. And I want you to just watch this for a moment. I wanted to show you just a, a small clip of, of this moment of Cal Ripken being celebrated. Let's watch. What began on May 30th, 1982, and continues September 6th, 1995. This game with the Angels trailing is now in the books. And let it be said that number eight, Cal Ripken Jr., has reached the unreachable star. 
What's amazing about that moment, I went back to watch this, is that they gave him a standing ovation and clapped for 22 minutes. It just went on and on and on and on. So I want you to think about that for a moment. They weren't cheering on a guy who had just broken the home run record. They weren't cheering on a guy who had thrown like, you know, a perfect game or who had the highest batting average ever. They were cheering on a guy who for 14 years was simply faithful just to show up and do his job. Faithful day in and day out. And you better believe there were days where he was tired, injured, sick. But he just said, you know what? I'm going to keep showing up. I'm going to keep showing up. And when I see that video of him, there's something in me that just causes me to think forward of when I get home to meet Jesus. I want to show up, and I want to hear God say, well done, my good and faithful servant. You were faithful to just show up day in and day out, and I'm so proud of you. Well done. That's what we should all be living for, is saying, I'm just going to be someone who shows up day in and day out and saying, Lord, how can I serve you today? I'm going to be a faithful servant because I got that in my mind. Lord, I want to I meet you someday, but when I get there, how I long to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. So we're called to serve others prayerfully, lovingly, hospitably, and faithfully. So in closing, I want to ask you this question. Are you serving others? Really simple question. Are you using your life to serve others? And as you think about that, I, I think that maybe we probably all fall into one of two categories today. And I want to speak to each category. So here's the first category. You might say, yes, I'm serving, but maybe you're serving in the world, but not in the church. Maybe you're using your gifts and serving well out there, whether it be in your home, your neighborhood, your place of work. I want to tell you, listen, that's a great thing. Keep doing that. That's what you should be doing. But maybe you've never thought of using those same gifts to make an impact in the church. Let's not forget, the context of this passage is serving others in the body of Christ. And so I just want to say to you, we need you. This church will never function at the level it was designed to function if we have people whose gifts are just sitting on the sideline. We need you. The body's incomplete without your, with, with your gifts on the sideline. Are you, really, are you really gifted at working with children? We need you. Are you gifted at working with your hands? We need you. Do you love to pray for sick people? We need you. In fact, I would say in our app, there is a volunteer opportunities finder, and there are all kinds of roles. You can sign up to serve and put your gifts to use. I mean, I wish it wasn't this way, but really, I like to, volunteers at Northwood, sometimes we talk about them as being endangered species. There are just not a whole lot of them. And so I want to tell you if, you, if God's gifted you and you're using your gifts out there, but I've never thought, you know what, I can use my gifts here. We need you. And so you can open up the app. You can go, there'll be a table out in the lobby where you can talk, get more information about that. So that might be one category. But then there's another category of us who would say, you know what, yes, but you're serving in the, you're serving in the church but not in the world. So maybe in this category, you come to serve, you, you serve one hour a week in church, but maybe for you, 
Serving has become more about a box you check instead of a lifestyle you live. If you're serving here, listen, I couldn't, I couldn't be proud of you. I love that. I'm excited. That, that's awesome. Thank you. But I want to encourage you to make serving a lifestyle. Don't just make it kind of a, one little piece of the pie. It should be wherever I go, I serve. Because there are needs all around you that God wants to use you to meet. So the next time you see someone sick or suffering from chronic pain at work, what if you just said, you know what? Can I just pray for you? Can I lay my hand on you and just pray for you? What might God do through you if you said, you know what? I'm going to look for a need and I'm going to fill it. What if you have a friend who's hurting, maybe they're discouraged, going through a rough patch. What would be the, what, what if you said, you know, I'm gonna take them out for a cup of coffee and I don't have to have answers for them. I'm not gonna put pressure on myself that I have to give them some world-changing advice. What if I just went and I just sat and said, I'm here to listen? That's serving others. Maybe someone you know struggling financially, trying to dig their way out of a hole. How about emptying whatever cash is in your wallet and then just saying, you know what, God, I'm gonna trust you to supply my need. What about in your neighborhood? You see snow in someone's driveway or you see someone's yard that hasn't been raked for ages. What might God do if you said, you know what, I'm gonna go, there's a need right there and I'm gonna go help fill it. I'm gonna go help meet it. Look for a need and meet it Look for what's missing and supply it. Find a hurt and heal it. Make a decision. I have decided to serve others. This is what God calls us to. Amen? Come on, church. Go ahead and stand to your feet. I want to pray for you as we close. This is who we are. We're servants. So I want to ask you just to, to ask this question this morning. Sometimes we do this when we close. This is just you and the Lord. Why don't you just ask the Holy Spirit? You just say, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me through this message today? Just ask him, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me through this message today? Lord, we thank you for your word. And Lord, we thank you for your example that you said in your word, you came to serve, not to be served, but you came to serve. And so Lord, I pray that we would be marked, that we would be an example of you wherever we go, that you know what, we're gonna, we're gonna be people who serve others. I pray this would be our heart, Lord. Open our eyes, Lord. Open our eyes to see the needs all around us, whether it be here in this room, in this church, or even outside these four walls. I pray you would open our eyes to see those needs and you'd give us courage to step out and meet those needs as your hands and your feet. And so, Holy Spirit, I pray you would speak powerfully and individually to every single person here about what that might look like for them. 
I thank you for how you speak to us. Thank you for how you encourage us as we come together. We'll give you all the praise and all the glory. It's in the name of Jesus we pray and all God's people said, amen. amen. Come on, give him praise, church. Amen. Church, I love you. Let's be those who say, I have decided to serve. Hope you guys have a great day. If you need prayer for anything, whether it be big or small, you come on down front. We have a prayer team. We'd love to pray with you. And I'll look forward to seeing you back next Sunday.